Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? We are live here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. We got Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws, Jalen Whitlow, former UKQB. Fellas, what's going on? Not too much, man. Yeah, man, not too much. I forgot what a little less than th- a little less than three weeks. Uh, getting toward two weeks till the season, so fall camp. I bet Jalen probably knows how it feels that time of year. It feels like the dog days. There were a lot of guys laying down after practice when we were in there on Tuesday. Uh, you could tell the guys are kind of – they're getting close to being ready to want to hit someone else and uh, get this thing rolling. So uh, we're, we're in the thick of it for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, Jalen, you you sick of you just sick of everybody at this point, right? You're just ready to play somebody in a different color jersey, right? Yeah, I mean, camp is is, is really repetitive, man. It, you know, it's the same thing over and over. Uh, I never really disliked it because we weren't in school. I enjoyed not being in school and only doing football. Uh, but there are days where you like, man, let's let's get to <laughs> let's get to week one, man. Um, so you know, I'm sure I'm sure they're feeling that. There's a lot of, uh, I'm sure some air mattresses in the facility, some pillows in the facility. Uh, you know, they're camp. Try to catch a nap when you can because they're hard to come by. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Yenz, Zach Yenzer, Barry on Brown, and I think Anthony Brown were all laid out like in the sun, just like in a starfish position after practice when we got in there and uh, Liam Cohn was talking on Tuesday. It's pretty funny, but that's not the first time I've seen that. Uh, and it's certainly not going to be the last. We'll probably see it again on uh, tomorrow when I'm over there. So uh, yeah, man, it's uh they're working, they're working their butts off. Any things stand out? I mean, we just talked about how repetitive it is. So the same thing for you, but anything, out of the repetitive repetitiveness, that's not a word I know, but anything out of the repetitive stuff stand out to you this week in covering everybody? Uh, yeah, I, I would say a couple things, nothing crazy. I think after the scrimmage Saturday, uh, it kind of sounded like Kentucky's offense did a really good job moving the ball uh, and even had some explosives, but they couldn't finish in the red zone. It sounded like Liam kind of talked about in a game situation, you know, you sell for three, you feel okay about it. Uh, but, you know, it's a scrimmage. They're going to practice things. They're going on fourth down and they were kind of getting stuffed. So you could look at that two ways. You could say, okay, good job defense, but also you want to get more of the offense finishing things. So I, I guess that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. Obviously we can't watch those scrimmages. So uh, I wish I had more, but uh, that's what I'll go off of there. Uh, and just the videos UK post highlight wise, which looked like there were some explosive in there. Uh, one to Anthony Brown, one to Tavion Robinson specifically. Um, and I, I would just say it was kind of <laughs> Mark Stoop Saturday kind of had I wouldn't say he was mad about anything. It was just very business. Get get a couple lines in on each question and get out of there. It seems like he was really anxious to go back, uh, be done, and go watch the tape. So uh, I'm interested to see what he'll have to say, if he'll say anything more on this Saturday. And then, you know, yesterday, offense day, um, again, that was the main takeaway I got from Liam there. Uh, the other two things I would say is, you know, these Tavion Robinson, uh, hearing him a little bit, he talked about, you know, how it, this is kind of what he envisioned finally, you know, getting to play from Liam Co- for Liam Cohn. He said he's one of the best play callers that he's ever been around. And, you know, the coaching staff, I think it was Stu who mentioned it Saturday, they're still kind of keeping that challenge on him. They want him focused. They want him uh, at his best because uh, they didn't get that last year uh, for for what it's worth. <laughs> he just wasn't the guy that they were expecting to get. Um, but they think, you know, with Liam back, having some focus, learning from some of the mistakes he made on and off the field last year. It could be a pretty big bounce back year for him. And then the other one, just um, smaller thing, is I, I talked 
to Lavelle Wright for a few minutes. He had been uh, banged up a little bit earlier in camp, and Liam Cohen pretty much said when I asked him about him that if he's on the field, you know, if he's healthy, that is, you know, we'll find a role for him. He's he's valuable as a guy who, can, who could be a power back. Devin Larry pointed that out on Saturday as well, but, you know, availability has been the problem there. So if he stays healthy, um, and he was telling me that the biggest thing for him, other than health, has been just decisiveness. He felt like, you know, we got an opportunity early last year with uh, Rodriguez suspended and Jefferson hurt. You know, he felt like some of the holes that were there and he just didn't hit them. So th- those were the big takeaways for me. But again, a lot of now we're getting into I think we're two or three weeks into covering fall camp here. A lot of things are starting to become repetitive. But, you know, you never know. That's why you show up. You never know if you're going to get anything on one of these days. And uh, we'll, we'll see if anything new happens here on Thursday or Saturday. Anything stand out to you, Jalen? You hear anything or just from you? You've been observing from the interviews or from the clips you've seen? Not really, man. It's just, uh, you know, kind of like what Aaron said. You can tell, you know, Stoops is taking a, a business approach, but you can also tell that he really likes his team, though. Yeah. You can tell You can tell that he's excited about what the offense is doing. Uh, you can tell that he's excited about what some guys on the defense side of the ball is doing. Um you know, I know at the D line position that they're, they're they're playing well from what I hear, uh, yeah. especially stopping the run um, or slowing down the run. Um, so, you know, not n- nothing really stand out. Um, you know, I, I know they were saying on offense that they wanted to finish better. Uh, you know, to to make sure we not make you know critical errors in crucial moments. Um, you know, red zone or whatnot, or fourth down or third down. Um, so. You know, that, that's it. I mean, and this game comes down to three, third downs, you know, fourth downs. Can you can you uh, advance the ball on those downs? And can you can you move the ball? Can you get the ball in the zone in the red zone? Uh, you know, we all know that field goals uh, are not enough, man. You know, you got to score. You got to score touchdowns uh, to, to be able to beat the teams that you need to beat to have a successful season. So uh, I'm interested to see. I was before we got on here, I was just watching some some, some 2021 Wandale. Uh, film. Uh, so I was getting, you know, getting crunk for the, uh, the podcast, man. <laughs> oh man, I hope he's healthy this year, uh, for my Giants' sake. But uh, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of good points that you just made there, and I agree. I think Mark Stoops really likes this team, and as I kind of been saying the last couple of weeks, I and. You know, going back to he made a comment. I'm still trying to find the quote he had, but he's going to be very careful this year about you know setting expectations. Just to the media and maybe overhyping guys because he felt like last year that might have hurt the team and you know that got talked about you know at SEC media days with Eli Cox uh, when I was talking to him about that type of stuff and kind of things just getting into the heads of the players and kind of feeling themselves before they proved anything so uh, I think he's being very careful in that regard he doesn't want to brag too much on guys but you know sometimes it does come out and I think the areas it does come out is one Devin Leary I think they've been really really impressed with him uh I mean, the quote that we talked about at, at length last week with keeping all eligibles open, I mean, that, that's a big deal. I mean, I haven't, I can't, I mean, other than NFL guys like Aaron Rodgers, um, I can't remember too many coaches saying that about quarterback. Um, and really, I'm trying to think of any examples in the college level. So that's pretty big. And then the defensive line, like Jalen said, that's the area I think, you know, Mark Stoops is kind of, he's they're going to be good stopping the run i mean especially with the two guys in the middle uh Keyshawn silver actually missed the scrimmage last week i know he was hurt I, I think it's minor hopefully he'll be back out there this week i'm not really sure maybe we'll get an update on that saturday i wouldn't expect one tomorrow but um but definitely Deion walker makes a huge difference you know uh, Trevin Wallace, Derek Jackson, two guys who, who can really clean up. And it sounded like to me, uh, from what I've heard and then what I saw at the open practice, I guess a week and a half ago now, uh, Kentucky's run defense, they were, they've definitely shut it down, running up the middle inside zone. There's been nothing there, uh, really. And I don't think that's necessarily, you know, a huge indictment on Jagger Burton or the guards. I think it's more so you're going up against Deion Walker, you're going up against, at the time, Keyshawn Silver, not last Saturday, but. A week and a half ago, you're going up against, you know, even uh, Trayvon Ripka and and some of the other guys that got in there. So they have some big boys on the D-line, and they've done a good job on the inside. But outside zone, at least a week and a half ago, I'm not sure how it went in the scrimmage on Saturday, 
um, they ran the ball really well. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how that progresses. You feel good about the defensive line, but you want to get the offense uh, being able to run that ball up the middle a little bit more. So we'll see if it's just the guys Kentucky has in practice or <laughs> if it's an issue but, you know, when they take the field week one. That's it. That's it. As mentioned, we are live on Twitter. Follow us at Believe in Kentucky. Uh, YouTube, type in Believe in Kentucky. You'll find the B-L-E-A-V in Kentucky. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. You've got comments. you got questions. Uh, Aaron covers the cats for the cats' paws. Jalen played QB for Coach Stoops. you got questions. Throw them out there, and we'll read them, acknowledge them, respond, reply, answer, agree, disagree, whatever. It'll be a fun little discussion. I appreciate everybody that's following and checking us out. Um, follow us on Twitter. We got pinned up there. We got merch. We got Cat Daddy shirts. Get you a shirt. Shop.believe.com. Shop.believe.com. And you can also continue to still listen. If you listen, you can listen wherever you listen. Or if you want to watch, you can now have the option uh, to watch as well. Flipping it to uh, to basketball because we had some, you know, Saw the team in Toronto. You're up there for that, Aaron. But yeah, some big news coming out today where you know Vanessa Bryant, the widow of the late Kobe Bryant, basically handpicked Kentucky to be the first Mamba school. So the cats get to wear the Kobe's, the shoes, the gear, the kicks. And so, I mean, the Jalen, you talk about all the time how stuff resonates with recruits. You've been recruited. You know how that works. They just left Drake's house a couple weeks ago. <laughs> now they're the first Mamba school. We saw the gear. We saw the kicks. This is just another kind of little feather in Kentucky's cap, which just kind of lets you know Kentucky still moves the needle, even though we had a couple of down years in basketball in March that we're not used to seeing. Kentucky's still moving the needle in when it comes to men's basketball. Yeah, no doubt. I think, uh, again, it, this is all about recruiting. At the end of the day, you know, it just is what it is. But yeah. I think that is cool that, you know, first Kobe school, that's that's cool. So I wonder, is it going to, like, branch off kind of like Jordan did in football with the uniforms and the cleats and gloves? I wonder, is it going to branch off that big? But, um, you know, maybe LeBron will one day. But I think uh, I think that's cool, man. You know, to be the first of something, you know, of a brand like that, man. Uh, again, I'm sure recruits are going to be, <laughs> you know, can't wait to get on campus and try some of that stuff out, and, and just use all the custom stuff that they get. You'll be amazed. Even when I was at Kentucky, man, some of the stuff that the boys' basketball team or the men's basketball team used to have was, you know, I'm like, man, that's what I was. <laughs> You know, we got a lot of stuff, you know, just because Kentucky's a Nike elite school. So mm-hmm. we get like the, you know, we get all the good stuff. So, um, but even some of their basketball stuff, I'm like, man, I wish we had that. We had a lot of stuff. So uh, it, it definitely helps, you know, in the in the mind of a, a 15, 16, 17-year-old high school student, um, you know, gear is everything to some of those guys. And, yeah. and having the nice stuff, having the exclusive stuff, stuff that, you know, nobody else have. Nobody else is a, a Kobe school. You know, so um, that that's a big deal. So, you know, shout out to them to you know for making that. You know, that's kind of thinking one step ahead, in my opinion. That's a really yes. big move uh, and, and a really groundbreaking move in the Nike world and in the college uh, in the athletics world. I think that's big. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit pretty much everything I'd want to say on it. I'll add to it though. You made a really good point about the Jordan uh, football uh, brand. And I think, and I know for a fact, I was just looking at it, but uh, Michigan in 2016 was the first school to do so. And ever since they've done that, 
hey, they've been <laughs> on the rise every year. Uh, been to the playoffs the last couple of years. They haven't been able to finish the deal, uh, but still, they've been on the rise ever since that branding deal came down. I don't know if that led to a recruiting advantage or not, but uh, it's easy to speculate it might have helped because the program, you know, obviously, I think they won 10 games under Harbaugh his first year, but uh, they've taken a jump every single year, it feels like, uh, since he's been there, not outside of the COVID year when they stunk. But, uh, and then I think Florida's a Jordan school and, you know, they're recruiting under Billy Napier. They're, they have one of the top classes coming in. So that that's a, that type of stuff doesn't make a difference to some of these kids, okay. and uh, especially if NIL opportunities become uh, come up because of it. So uh, this is a huge uh, recruiting win, in my opinion, but not much more other than that. And the stuff looks really good, too. So uh, that's pretty cool. Speaking of 15, 16, 17-year-olds and recruiting wins and flipping and Michigan, who we just talked about. Oh, that's right. Possibly these, you know, Gerard and Jacob Smith maybe flipping yeah. from Michigan to Kentucky. We we got Michigan podcasts that are tweeting at them and getting all in their feelings about <laughs> maybe losing these kids who are now in Corbin, just an hour and a half from Lexington, four star D lineman. All the recruiting heads think yeah. they might be leaning to Kentucky now. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guys out there that you know, have really respectful opinions and usually are right that have, you know, put in the crystal ball, whatever the other rivals calls it. They've, they've been predicting Kentucky on this. Um, I did see the, <laughs> I did see the tweet from the Corbin high school coach saying there's no flip coming. So that one intrigues me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, who knows what that's about? Who knows if he knows something that all these people don't, he is their coach after all, but uh, Hey, I mean, Kentucky's 2024 class has really uh, started to take shape. I think they're at uh, 15 guys. So, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't gotten far enough yet to see what the scholarship numbers are looking like. Obviously, with the way the transfer portal works, there's always going to be scholarships uh, more so than you think that are going to be available. But uh, I would assume at 15, uh, they're getting toward the end of filling what they're going to be once we hit National Signing Day in December. Uh, last year, I believe, yeah, 19 kids uh, freshman-wise. So uh, that's going to be around the number, I would think, again. Uh, just given you want to leave some room for some transfer portal additions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know enough to make a call on it, but anytime you could add four-star defensive linemen, uh, when you have Brad White, when you have um, Mark Stoops and some of these defensive coaches, uh, you got to like that. So, And they, they played up in Connecticut, so they get extra points from me. Uh, <laughs> home there. there you go. And you get these – these brothers packaged it, you know, the Wades, and now you get yeah. these two dudes coming if, if they come. So, I mean, you know, getting the more bang for your buck when you're getting, you know, two siblings coming in that can kind of help your program. So, no we'll doubt. See. Yeah. And I think uh, this class is really top heavy so far. Like, there are a lot of, you know, with Kentucky, you never look at the stars too much because they do, uh, they do seem to recruit and develop as good as anybody. But, yeah. you know, outside of Elijah Groves, uh, Cutter Bowley, and Tehran Nichols, uh, there isn't that much, there isn't that star talent in this class that we saw in like 2022 or 2020. So, uh, you know, obviously those are big names and those guys are going to help, especially Cutter is going to be the big one there. But uh, it would be nice to add some more four-star talent to that room, kind of boost the numbers a little bit. Absolutely. And on the flip side, like Jalen said, these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. So yeah. it's a long time between now and when they actually get here. So yeah. maybe they flip, don't flip. Flip again, flip back again. Transfer, who knows? <laughs> I mean, so a lot yeah. can happen. A lot can happen. Down there, so. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know about you guys, I feel like Kentucky instances where it goes against this, but for the most part, they're pretty drama free when it comes to high school recruiting lately. Like, they either they've gotten a guy or they haven't. Like Shamar Porter, I'll give that's a good example to me. You know, he commits really, really early, I think. February or January of last year. And he remained solid, even though he had to watch Rich Gangarillo's offense. Like uh, Anthony Brown, even he committed back in April. He had to go and watch that offense. He's, he, you know, he stayed solid. Uh, you know, 
at the time, Justin Rogers and Keonta Goodwin. I know they end up end up transferring. They're going to finish their careers elsewhere. But you know, those were really, really high recruited guys who took visas up until the last day to sign, and they still put pen to paper. So Kentucky's done a really good job uh, when they have landed commitments of late uh, at finishing the deal. There have, I mean, there's been you know the Wandale Robinson situation, which obviously had a happy, happy ending with him committing and decommitting really quick and all that. Uh, there's a, you know that one quarterback that was always flirting with them. I forget his name he ended up in Miami uh and then you know the stuff with Xavier Peters even but for the most part the last I feel like four years uh three four years it's been pretty drama free once you, you either get a guy or you don't when it comes to Kentucky so if they are able to flip those twins I'd feel pretty good about them putting pen to paper and at least starting their careers here did Goodwin pick another school after leaving Florida or is he still just kind of yeah he's still I, I mean I know there's a family issue, so he's trying to get eligibility uh, to play somewhere close. I would guess just from what I've heard and where he's hung around that it would be Louisville, which, you know, that'd be good for him, be close to home. Uh, if there's, if you know, there's a situation with mom, being close to home would be very much ideal. Obviously, he's from just across the water over there in Charleston, Indiana, so or Charlestown, so hopefully it works out for him. I'm rooting for that kid. I know that you know, there were some issues on the field, but uh, every time I spoke with him or was around him, I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, definitely hope. Hope the best for uh, Keontae Goodwin. Staying on that Louisville note, um, we, we, we talk about, you know, giving people their flowers while they're here <laughs> and all that. Flowers is taking his talents down under. Yeah, down under. He was – Projected to probably be a, a key piece to them to a no team doubt. coming off of four wins, and middle of August he up and says I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go pro in Australia, and it's, it's not really time for them to recover or fill the void. They just kind of gotta take this blow and and try to absorb it as best they can. Pretty much, I mean, it is a different landscape now. I mean, guys are still. <laughs> feels like hitting the portal every day in college basketball. And, you know, there's international guys you could look at, but, you know, Flowers is, you're talking a top 30 prospect, a consensus five-star guy. Like this is an elite, elite prospect who was supposed to help turn the momentum of Louisville basketball. And it was a really good to get for them. And a guy that, you know, seemingly was going to have a really good year and be in that all ACC conversation. And now he up and goes uh, down under, he gets an opportunity that he felt like he couldn't pass up and, to me, like the bigger issue is, uh, I mean, if, if the money was there and I was listening, I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to his interview. I forget the um, reporter's name that spoke with him, but I thought he did a really good job with that interview with him and his him, Trenton and his dad. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest thing, like not returning phone calls, Kenny Payne, I'm not, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think Kenny Payne really owes him that much if he ups and leaves like that. But I do wonder like, what was the relationship there? What's the culture like at Louisville? If was there a culture issue that led to it? Obviously, that's been denied by Flowers. You know, he said nothing but good things, and I thought handled the situation with class in that interview. Um, so maybe there aren't culture issues. Maybe it simply was an opportunity he felt like he needed to take. But uh, it's hard not to speculate. You know, when that happens, and we, I, I think there was some Twitter stuff going on where he was talking about wanting to play point guard, and Sky Clark was like on the point, something like that, and then Clyde. <laughs> Sky Clark's liking tweets about being the point guard after he decides to leave. So, you know, maybe there's some, there's not necessarily a cultural problem at Louisville, but just issues between players. And, you know, that, that happens. But look, Louisville had a terrible year last year. They've still, you know, they're, they're, I, they should be a little better. You know, Dennis Evans is a pretty elite prospect. The center they got, uh, I think Sky Clark will be okay. Trey White should be pretty good for them. But overall, man, I mean, they're not that much better. They still lost LL. Ellis, who, you know, really was a shame they were so bad for his sake last year because he was awesome. Uh, now he'll be at Arkansas where I think he'll make a really big difference. So uh, just a, not a fun time if you're a Louisville fan right now. They're just – it's a mess over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just hmm. – I don't know. Just you – know, it's we don't really go out of our way to kick them water down, but they just – they just I mean, it's just, just stuff keeps happening – to them and they just can't like they can't get out of their own way with stuff right now basically you know 
I don't know. That's just yeah. that's just where they are right now. That's you know, and you, I don't know. Hope Kenny would have maybe had things go a little bit better, you know, since he was you know part of the second program for so long. He, He's such you know, a well like guy. Yeah, going back to you know, you can't stand Louisville, but that's where he went. Right. So you understand that. But it is it has been just tough it's been a nightmare over there, and, man. You know, some of the things he said was right. Like last year, it was a really tough place to recruit given you had the, the death penalty and all these, you know, possible NCAA tournament bans hanging over their head. And, and it's not an excuse. You can't win four games. I mean, if you if you had a 10-win season or even, you know, if like 12 and 21 like Ole Miss was last year, like yeah. then maybe you could use that a little more. But, you know, four wins is unacceptable at Louisville. To me, it's unacceptable at any high major. So, um, you know, that – that, that was gross, but I do understand by what he meant by some of that and how hard it could have been to recruit. But now, you know, that's gone. You were able to sign a pretty good class, and then you lose, you know, the first or second-ranked guy, depending where you look in that class, you know, mm-hmm. in August. Like, I don't know, man. It, it just sends a bad message to what, you know, just – it's a bad look and it just feels like that program and that fan base uh, from the basketball side of things can't really catch a break right now. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I again, like I get Kentucky fans, I, the hatred. Uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed watching every second of that four win year last year, but it truly is better for the state. Uh, it truly is better for the rivalry. If both teams are good or at least competitive and, you know, it's just a good thing. And, you know, the whole, the game will be in Louisville next year. Um, they'll have, they'll have the home arena, just like Jeff Brown will have the home field uh, for the football game between the two schools in November. Uh, it's a big opportunity for them. And if they're just going to be an embarrassment, I mean, that's mm-hmm. no fun for the rivalry. And eventually when I'm not saying it'll ever lose its luster, but eventually uh, if Louisville, mm-hmm. hypothetically, if Louisville mm-hmm. were to suck for 10 years, no one's going to care about it. just like that's why Tennessee fans don't care about Kentucky football and they don't view them as the rival that Kentucky views Tennessee. And you saw that quote last year. We only wear the, you know, we will only wear orange for rivalry games. The AD said, and because they wore the black jerseys against Kentucky and mm-hmm. like Kentucky fans are pressed about that, but I get it. Like when you win 31 out of 34, you're not going to view them as a rival. Or you're going to view them as a punching bag, just like I'm sure Florida viewed Kentucky for all those years. And now that that's completely changed. But until Louisville starts winning a few games and that's just going to be the same for football. I think that's why Jeff Brown has talked about it so much this year. He wants to keep the rivalry relevant and he wants to make sure it stays, you know, when Kentucky has decisions to make with their scheduling uh, coming up, you know, starting in 25 possibly. So uh, Louisville's got to start winning some games and making these UK games at least, at least really close and down to the wire. If they want to keep this rivalry as beloved and as, you know, national audience um, as it should be. Because eventually it's going to lose its luster. That's just how it goes. Just look at Yankees, Red Sox, man. Uh, I'm a Yankee fan, but those games are brutal right now. Both teams suck. Uh, the last five years, really, you know, the Yankees have been pretty good outside of the Red Sox one year in 18. The Red Sox haven't been in the games that suck. Now both teams are, especially the Yankees, suck. And it's not fun to watch. The, even the, the Braves and the Mets, the Braves are 100 times better than the Mets. No one cares about that game because they're just going to blow them up. No one needs to watch it on Sunday Night Baseball. So <laughs> Cardinals, Cubs, I can go on and on. Packers, Bears, like it just happens where those the rivalries grow stale unless, you know, both teams are good every year. Man, it was nothing like those 2004, 2005 Yankees-Red Sox games, 2006. Yeah. Man, when I, A-Rod, Jeter, yeah. Big Poppy. You know, I, I I was watching it back then, though. And even 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 2012, 2013, 2014, yeah. Kentucky, Louisville basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I was at Kentucky, I mean, it was big time basketball. Both teams were always ranked in the top. You know, whatever. Uh, and you know, Kentucky for that case in the top five it was always seemed like they were always ranked. Um, and it was always a very competitive, uh, you know, game full of potential NBA stars. I mean. That's what it was, you know, so they got to get back to that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because it, you know, ten, people in Tennessee ask me, why why, why you hate Tennessee so much? I'm, I'm, because 
the losing streak to you all for so long. I, and I tell them, I said, which, you know, they beat Alabama last year. But I said, take take your Alabama losing streak and pretty much double it. Yes. That's what that's what Kentucky's losing streak to y'all were. Yeah. And when I tell them that, they're like, oh, well, oh, okay, I can I can see that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, y'all love 15-game losing streak to Alabama. Well, Kentucky lost 27 or 28 to Tennessee. And so that kind of puts it in perspective for them. And right. then even when you do win it, then the graphic the next year will say, well, they've lost 27 out of 28. Then you got to keep looking at that crap until it flattens. I, like Florida, this is the first, I think this is the first year you're going to see like the Florida like graphic will finally be like, oh, Kentucky's won three to five. Like right, you, right. you haven't had that, you know, obviously after the 31 game streak. And, and for, you're right, until Kentucky wins, you know, two out of three against Tennessee or something like that, that graphic and that annoyance is always going to be there for a Kentucky fan. But for a Tennessee fan, like it's, they're going to be more worried about the Florida game or they're going to be more worried about the Alabama game. Like that's just how it goes. And Tennessee, Alabama this year, they as, as joyful and ecstasy and, you know, as that was for them and carrying the goalposts to the river and all that <laughs> stuff. When they turn on the game this year and they're playing at Tuscaloosa, it's going to say, yeah. Tennessee has lost 15 out of 16 to Alabama. Still, and they're, yeah, and they're going to be like, be there. they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Until the, if they win again this year, maybe that graphic starts to go away. But that's just how this thing goes, man. Yeah. It's like, and that's why that's why I say all that about Louisville. Like, yes, that's fun. I, if you're a Kentucky fan, I totally get enjoying how terrible they are. Uh, I, I mean, I get it as a sports fan too. Uh, there's nothing better than seeing the teams you dislike uh, stink. Uh, more so, like I, I'd be enjoying the hell out of them, what the Mets are doing this year if the Yankees weren't bad too. So uh, I get it, man. I get it. But uh, there is a part of it too where if you love that rivalry, you still want it to be, you know, on ESPN at eight o'clock on, you know, every every time every year. Uh, you want to make sure that the whole world is watching that game. Uh, you need your rival to hold up their end of the bargain, and uh, you know that hasn't happened. And one other thing we threw around in our little group message, uh, and I just see where Saturday down south was just tweeting out the stadium sizes and capacities. Oh my god! <laughs> and Vanderbilt is what 28, 28 five right now Whew. as the season starts here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, as a player, if your stadium is like that, how embarrassing. <laughs> If if you come in as a visitor and you see that their stadium is like that, I mean, just just what are they going through with this this renovation right now? That Man. I mean, look, it had to be done. Like I, I'm glad they're finally. I don't know exactly what the capacity is going to be when all said uh, when all is said and done, but I, I've seen that you know the, the blueprint or whatever you call uh, the finished product product they're looking for, and it, you know it's starting to look like an SEC. It's starting to look like they belong, and you know their new facility uh, that I was just inside of, you know, at the bowl game for practice uh, that could, for Kentucky. It's beautiful. It's, it's SEC. It's a it is state of the art. So you know they're catching up, and they're going to have a better fan experience when all is said and done. Um, but for this year's team, uh, for this year's just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just look. Uh, I don't know. It's just a construction site in one end zone is brutal, man. It's brutal. And it, it, you feel bad for those players because they did. You know, there was there is some momentum brewing in that program. You know, they win. Obviously, the game at Kentucky last year, they beat Florida at home. Uh, they feel pretty good about, and you can see even on the roster, it's a little bit of a better roster going into this year. They feel like they have a pretty good quarterback in AJ Swan. They have some good receivers around him. So, you know, it, it stinks that they're only going to be able to, you know, it's not like they're ever going to have a full house unless we were just talking before the show. When Georgia goes there, it'll be full because their fans are crazy. Uh, Kentucky obviously always fills that stadium really well. Uh, this year, Auburn makes the trip there. Auburn has an incredible fan base. They'll fill it, but you know, you're never gonna have to worry that much about sellouts, but just yes. a you know, a construction site in the end zone, only twenty-eight thousand, it's not gonna be very noisy, it's gonna feel like a mid-major game. It's just it sucks. It sucks for the players and it sucks for the fan experience for you know, Nashville's obviously such a great city that fans, you know, 
opposing fans choose that game to go to every year in part because of that and the experience, you know, there'll be less people that will get to have that experience because of what they're doing. So, you know, I wish, I wish they could have got it done earlier, but who knows what's going on. Yeah. How, however, I, I'm, I'm, you know, with the stadium thing going on and all of that in, in Nashville at Vanderbilt, um, I do agree that Vanderbilt is going to be better than they have been. No doubt. Two years. Um, you know, I, I got them winning five games max. A five-game win season is pretty good at Vanderbilt. Um, so I, I, I got them. I got them winning five. You know. Yeah, I think they can win five. I think they can win. I think they can get five and and, and maybe, uh, maybe get a shot at a bowl game. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, look at they get Hawaii week one at home, Alabama and M. That should be two and zero. Wake Forest has been tough the last couple of years. We'll see how that goes. UNLV should be a win, and then you know, obviously, the rest of the SEC East and their uh, crossover game is always Ole Miss, and then Auburn. Who we'll see what Auburn is. Auburn's kind of one of those wild cards where you know, new Hugh Freeze. You should like what you see, but I'm not sold on their quarterback situation. That game will be home for Vandy, so maybe that's one Vandy could steal type thing. So yeah, they're they're building something there. I think Clark Lee has done a, a really good job so far. So it, it's just a bummer that that's going to be their situation. But I think, you know, long-term with how, how it's supposed to look when things are said and done, the new facility, the way Nashville is, uh, it, it's a good move in the long run. It's just going to, it's going to hurt a lot of people this year, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Setback for, uh, but, but like you said, they, I guess it had to get worse before it gets better in their, yeah. their situation. So. No doubt. And I just, again, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I know for a fact when I was there in December, because we did interviews literally on the field, because Kentucky was using the, the locker room at Vandy, you know, for practice for the Music City Bowl. And the construction, I don't think, had started yet. I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive on that. And then as far as uh, when I was there for basketball season, I was honestly on campus at night. So I don't really remember uh, what they were doing or what they weren't doing. So uh, I'd be interested to learn more about exactly when they started, what the game plan was, if something was amiss or not. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, that's what how it's going to be at Bandy this year. I know that lists are subjective and the opinion of everybody who's making the list, but we did a list where we ranked, you know, the our, our favorite wins for the most the last 15 mm-hmm. years and you know each each list was different but uh Vern Funquist Saturday down south yesterday it is top 10 SEC quarterback list uh number one for him KJ Jefferson number two Will Rogers number three Devin Leary on his list so um a lot of people don't know him, haven't seen him, but he's yeah. top top three on this guy's list. A lot of people aren't watching NC State, or and then he was hurt. So uh, for him to be top three in the conference, maybe you know this this agree disagree. Yeah. you know he's. I, I think that's getting some love. I think three is exactly where I'd put him going into the year. I think he has a chance to actually get higher than that. When I was filling out my all SEC ballot, I put a, I had KJ Jefferson as my first team quarterback, and I actually had Jalen Daniels down to there at LSU rather um, as my number two. Will Rogers to me, you know the numbers are the numbers. He's going to be the all time SEC passing leader, but they're inflated. I mean that's just it's he played in the air raid. Like uh, the number, look at KJ Costello's passing yards from 2020, and then watch his games and tell me if he's a good quarterback or not. Like the numbers are inflated. But Will Rogers has had a lot of really good games. Uh, just, I mean, obviously, just against Kentucky, we could say he's had a lot of really good games in Starkville and some really bad games in in Lexington. So uh, he's for every time I've tuned in to see him, it's been one or the other. It's kind of all in or all out. I know Mississippi State fans just. Uh, seeing Twitter last year, we're ready to run him out the building. So I'm not so sure, 
you know, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch more. That's why I have Will Rogers, you know, a little lower than that. But um, I think Leary, again, we keep going back to it, 35 and 5 in 2021, preseason player of the year, or I'm sorry, uh, preseason. Oh, I, I don't know, whatever. Preseason player of the year in 22 in the ACC and, you know, two freak injuries away from, I think, already being a pro. So, you know, we'll see what happens. He has to stay healthy um, and, you know, keep the turnovers down like he has his whole career. But I think the sky's the limit for that kid. And uh, he definitely is going to be in the running, I think, uh, for one of those three all-SEC quarterback spots. And I think he has a chance to be the first-team all-SEC guy. What say you, Jalen? Yeah, I got him. I'll have a rank second, man. Yeah. Uh, and he's second to me behind Daniels at LSU. Yeah, Daniels a beast. I just think LSU just primed for another good year. Um, you know, a lot of guys returning, you know, and as a quarterback, you know, it helps to have helps to have a good system, helps to have, you know, people around you uh, that can make plays. So, you know, and this is preseason. I do believe that if they if they get that thing clicking on offense and, you know, they're rolling, he could potentially finish one. I think um, so too. Yeah. You know, he could potentially finish one. I also do believe whoever's the starter at Ole Miss can potentially finish in the top three as well. Um, because I think if Ole Miss have a good year, whoever's playing quarterback for uh, Lane Kiffin is going to put stats up if they're having a good year. Uh, so that too, um, you know, outside of that, man, I don't see anybody at Texas A&M doing anything. I'm not, I'm not really huge on KJ Jefferson. He's a great player, but as far as, you know, his team is now, if he was on, you know, he was playing for Alabama, yeah, but he's playing for Arkansas. Yeah. I'm not sure. He's a great running back. That's about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really I, I, good running back. Yeah, I'm not sure how well, you know, Arkansas is going to do for him. Yeah, um, I, don't I don't know if he ha- has anything around him to succeed, to be honest with you. Um, whoever's playing quarterback at Auburn, I mean, not Auburn, but Bama, is definitely going to be up there. Uh, for, yeah. you know, I think it'll running. be Milrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see how that thing shake out. But I definitely – I got Leary, too, right now going yep. into the season behind Daniels. And I just frankly just think that they're in the, they have a, a, such a good team at LSU where they can potentially make the playoffs. Um, I agree. So that that's why, you know, I, I, I have that thing situated where I do. Yeah. Daniels had such an underrated year last year. I made yeah, almost 70% completion, uh, almost 3000 yards passing, uh, 885 yards rushing and a 17 to three touchdown to pick ratio. Like he, he had such an underrated year going in there from Arizona state. And he was a guy to Arizona state who had some pretty high expectations right away. So I think to me, he's the most underrated quarterback in the league. I, that's why I put him too. I just, I love what KJ Jefferson does, you know, in both phases. And, and I agree with you that, you know, some of the talent at more so at receiver and tight end could go against them. But, uh, you know, he has a great running back there in Rocket Sanders that'll help. And I've heard yeah. their offensive line's in decent shape, so so that can't hurt. But, uh, yeah, I, again, I think Devin Leary, I think it's safe to say he's the best passer in the conference already, and he's got to go out and prove it again. But I think going into the year on paper, his track, yard, uh, track record, I think he's the most accurate. I think he's the best pure passer in the conference. But, I you know, guys like Daniels, Jefferson, uh, those guys do something a little different with their legs. So, uh, you know, the stats are a little different there. I agree. Isn't, isn't that such a great name, man? Rocket. Man. Oh, dude. Awesome name. <laughs> hey, he's a, I mean, him and Ju- like, imagine, I think, uh, I think you get two running backs on the all SEC, but like him and Jukkins, I like, that's as good as, mm. I can't think of two better SEC running backs, like together playing at the same time. And it's been a while since you had two guys like that. Like, I think I don't know what year Sanders is, but I know Judkins was a true freshman last year. But those guys, man, they're special players. Also, I think the kicker to LSU quarterback playing so well is his backup. His backup, his backup is going to come in next year and be a Heisman contender. He and he could have been in the portal and started anywhere. No doubt. His backup. I watched the kid in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was out in Texas and he's a beast. Watching when he was a junior at the time. I think, and I was like, man, this kid can, he can play, um, yeah. you know. Uh, so I, I like, I really believe that his backup every day is pushing him to be better and better and better. 
uh, yeah. you know, along with the talent around them. So they have an outstanding offensive line too. That's something I think yeah. if Brian, like Brian Kelly's a little bit of a weird guy, I get some of the reasons <laughs> why people don't like him, the fake accent, whatever uh, he's the execution comment, whatever he made a couple of years ago. But <laughs> the thing that killed him at Notre Dame is he was just unable to recruit those elite offensive linemen. Now you're in the SEC, you're at LSU, you're getting the home state kids, you're getting the Southern kids, Texas kids, uh, you're getting real offensive linemen. I think that's kind of what's helped him uh, have really quick success at LSU, and that's going to continue, I think, this fall. The execution comment, though, he he just ripped that because that was old school. Yeah, him. no, there was nothing the wrong Rich, with that at all. People just Rich McKay yeah. from like 40 years ago. Yeah, like, that's why I was like, and, what the hell are you saying? Was, but it was actually yeah. kind of funny when like it was made clear like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. referencing something there. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was taking that old school <laughs> shame from NFL films or whatever. From Yeah. It was Tampa Bay. I think they were like 0 and 14 their first year oh, in '76 yeah. or whatever. Yep. Spur, Spur the, was like Spur was a quarterback for them yep. back then. The creamsicle days. Yeah, he's like, "What do you What do you think about your team's execution?" He's like, "I'd be in favor of it." And so it was. <laughs> it was like a one liner, and it was funny. Yeah. It was, you know, they suck, but yeah, that's what Kelly was trying to do. Yeah, there's um, nothing wrong with that one. It's more the fake accent, I think. Though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, totally unrelated to Kentucky, but look, Jalen, you're from Alabama. So we talk about your home state from time to time. We talk about Connecticut from time to time. But if I'm getting this right, if I heard right, Alabama high school football, is it the Thompson Warriors in Alabaster going for five state championships in a row or six? What is it now? I think it may be – it's four or five. It's not six. I think it's four or five. Um, but, yeah, they – you know – they, they they doing a good job. <laughs> they about yeah about about six seven years ago they started to beat Hoover, uh, and they started to really kind of take that thing over. But now man they are they got I mean they're sending quarterbacks. They got a quarterback that's at Auburn. I'm not sure if he's still there. Quarterback that's at UNC. I mean they're sending power five guys everywhere. Bama everywhere. Um, they are the premier program in the state of Alabama right now. Uh, a top 15 program in the country right now. Um, I mean, just every year the quarterback is setting records, seem like, uh, you know, they're throwing the ball all over the yard. They run the ball well as well. Uh, they are loaded with talent. They have – their facilities are better than EKUs. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, their facilities are better than most uh, FCS programs. I would say definitely most. I mean, unreal – indoor facility, brand new stadium. I mean, it's just – they got her going over there, man. Um, really, really, really good coach, uh, good program builder. It's not his first program he's built up, and they're, they're doing a good – they're gonna, doing a good job, man. So I expect them to start playing more national games. They played one last year. And guess what? Last year they played a national game with an eighth-grade quarterback. That's what I was fixing to say. Their starting quarterback was in eighth grade. That's what I – that's what I thought I heard too. I was going to ask you. So the starting quarterback this year is in eighth grade, or last, or he's a freshman now. But he's a fre- he's a freshman now. That's, that's what I th- I was but like. He, I got to ask Dylan. I heard uh, it today on the radio. I said I got to ask Dylan about this Thompson Warriors and an eighth grade quarterback who won yeah. the state championship. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> they they are, they are so good that it really don't matter who's playing quarterback. Sometimes I mean, it's they are that good. That's it's just. Uh, they, they are so explosive on offense. You want to watch a fun offense? Tune in to one of those games and go watch one of those high school games. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's it's about as good as it gets in high school football. That's what I, I was I was like. Because hey, I, I think I was, I was listening to a little bit of jocks out of Birmingham just to get a little, it's, you know, they talk SEC all day. I bounce around, you know, listen to different stuff at work, different podcasts, little radio here. And they they said them, and then they said the eighth grade. I said, man, I'm asking Jalen about this school tonight. I said, he from Alabama, he yeah. gonna know. I'm asking him about this Thompson Warriors squad, man. Yeah, they, they, it's the real deal, man. And that that region and that region that they're in, Birmingham area, is I would I would put that region up against almost any region in the country. Hmm. The level of football that's played in that region, man, it's it's unreal. Great coaches, I mean. Great programs, great schools. Uh, everybody sending athletes to Power Five every year. I mean, it's just unreal. 
All right. And there's a reason uh, the Crimson Tide and Auburn Tigers are good every year. <laughs> they build uh, <laughs> their backbone is the Birmingham area, the state of Alabama. So no doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So last thing, uh, I guess it's network related, but the, we were talking about it and sent it in a message. But the, believe sports media is going to have seven shows on Bally Sports Ohio. Which all you Reds fans in Kentucky, y'all y'all watch the Reds games on there. Uh, we had Paul Yanish on here, who's on the Farm to the Show podcast. We had him on right before opening day. That podcast is going to be on Valley Sports Ohio. Believe in Bengals, Solomon Wilcox played in the league, sideline reporter for years. Uh, they're going to be on there. Uh, like believe in Ohio State, is it? The seven yep. shows are going to be on believe. Cincinnati football, Bearcats. Yeah. Uh, I think Notre Dame is in that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, lucky underdogs, yeah, with Notre Dame players. Devin Butler and C.J. Procis starts on the 15th. The Big Ten show, uh, Pac-Man Jones has a show, Pac-Man Jones Keeps Crazy Company, September the 6th. Cincinnati Bearcats, like you said, and Buckeyes. So, Seven shows from this network are fixed to be on TV on the regional sports network, believe uh Valley Sports Ohio. So congrats to them. You know, guests to come on here. Paul Yonish played in the major leagues for years. And we was just talking to him a few weeks ago, and now you'll be able to see him on TV on a regular basis for uh believe in for the Valley Sports Ohio. So cool deal. Cool deal. They making moves and stuff with the network. So uh had to shout them out. That's some good stuff. Uh y'all bring the good stuff each and every week, man. Aaron, you writing for the Cats Pause. You the wins articles are winding down. You yeah. did the hundred wins. And yeah. That's almost over because we're almost to the season. Man, Jay, you keep hearing news and notes and you bring that perspective from actually playing and being on the squad. So we appreciate that. You uh watching, we definitely appreciate it. If you listen later when he comes out, we appreciate that. Tell your friends about it, follow us on Twitter, retweet it. You know, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff. We definitely appreciate it. And we'll be back each and every Wednesday. And if need arises, you know, we have to throw those emergency podcasts out there, hopefully for good reasons. Aaron and I have done some emergency podcasts for the wrong reasons. Ray Davis killing us last year. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we have some emergency right. podcasts for some, some better outcomes uh, as the season gets here. But uh fellas, man, enjoyed it. Hope y'all have a good evening. Appreciate yeah, if we you. have uh, if we have an emergency podcast after any of the first four games, oh. uh, it's gonna be a long year. But uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, because we all we almost should have done some emergency stuff out there the way the offensive line was struggling in some of those wins Probably. last year. That was that was a sign of yeah. that maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. Northern Illinois getting sacks and blowing up the power running game. Miami, Ohio blew it up, man. It's like, oh man. So yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe next week, just talking out loud before we even get off and telling the audience, maybe we go through the schedule next week and uh get some predictions going because, uh, you know, there'll be a lot more news game week that we could hit, but maybe that'll be a good one for next week because uh, I have some takes on the schedule that I think people agree and disagree with. So hey, that'll work. I'd love to hear y'all's as well. Mark that on down. Well, Stay tuned next week. Y'all will get it. For Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow, my name is Vinny Hardy. We'll be back next week on Believe in Kentucky. Everybody take care. Be safe. Have a good week. We'll highlight you next time. listening to believe 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.